Morgan Nick was a six-year-old charming little girl. She loved animals, especially her newly adopted kitten that slept with her every night. She enjoyed Girl Scouts, doing arts and crafts, and was just finishing her kindergarten year of school in Ozark, Arkansas. She was the big sister to a younger brother and a younger sister, and even though her parents had recently divorced, her family life was stable and happy. On Friday, June 9, 1995, a friend invited Coley Nick to come to their child's Little League game in Alma, Arkansas. Alma was about 30 minutes from the Nick's home in Ozark, Arkansas. Colleen thought it would be a good opportunity for her and Morgan to spend some quality mother-daughter time together, while the two younger kids spend the evening with their grandparents. Colleen and Morgan did attend the game that night, and Morgan would run off to play with two other children near the end of the game. When the game ended, the two children returned to the field, but Morgan did not. Morgan was never seen or heard from again. Where is Morgan Nick? Hello, and welcome back to the Where Are They podcast, our last regularly scheduled episode for 2021. We will continue to put our Friday Patreon episodes out, and we are working on getting all of our cases caught up over on YouTube also. We will be rounding out the year working on some new things for 2022, including some updated merch. So if there is anything in our store currently that you were interested in, you have about another week or so to grab it. You can use the code MISSING for 10% off. And as always, the link will be in our show notes. Any funds raised will be put aside for our charity partners in the coming year. It's been quite a wild ride this year. More and more missing person cases being reported. And having two cold cases resolved in these last two months has been very shocking. In fact, it still feels surreal to me that these three, Judith Chartier, Jeremy Bechtel, and Aaron Foster, have finally been recovered after so long. We always hope for happy endings, of course, but families of the missing always say it's the not knowing that is the continued torture for them. So let's hope and pray that 2022 brings us some more answers to these cases that we cover. The Morgan Nick case has been recommended to me a few times, and I've been doing some research on it for a while. I knew that I wanted to cover it in some capacity, but it's also one of those cases that does receive some media attention, and I always try to reserve my focus for those that don't. However, I started asking some people recently if they were familiar with the 1995 Morgan Nick case, and everyone I had asked said they were not. And it really got me thinking that maybe this case isn't as well known as I thought it was. Then, in addition to that, recently, this year, the police have released a new photograph that they believe shows a very important clue to this case. 
There is also a documentary in the works, which a portion of it was released locally on a local channel that is in the Little Rock, Arkansas area. And the rest of the documentary is set to come out in the winter. Although I don't have any more specific information or dates further than that. This case is centered around the Alma, Arkansas area. So it appears they shared just a snippet of the documentary to the locals there in hopes that it might stir up some talk and some new leads. The documentary scheduled to be released in these coming months is tentatively titled Missing Morgan Nick. So knowing that so many people weren't familiar with the case and knowing that this new photograph had been recently released and a new documentary coming out soon, I think this case might see a nice burst in media attention soon, and if we can help push it along, maybe just maybe this case can be solved. This case is from 1995, and with watching those older cold cases being solved recently, I feel like we should keep pushing for answers in all cases. Also, as we'll talk about the investigation portion in a bit, I do want to say I am comparing this to some cold cases. However, the police in this situation have been steadfast in their conviction that this is not a cold case. This case has never stopped being worked and has continued to receive leads for the last 26 years. So let's dive into the story of Morgan Nick. Who was Morgan Chantel Nick? Morgan was born Morgan Chantel Nick on September 12, 1988. Her parents, John and Colleen Nick, went on to have two more children after Morgan before divorcing in 1994. In 1995, little Morgan was a cute, adorable, little six-year-old girl, blonde hair and twinkling blue eyes. And I know that you're thinking that everyone says that about a missing child, but when you see her photos, you will be grabbed by her eyes, which do indeed twinkle. She has a very sweet demeanor about her and a very cute smile. Morgan loved animals, especially her pet kitten. She enjoyed Girl Scouts and doing arts and crafts and always told her mom that she hated being sweaty which I thought was so funny and just such a cute little thing that a young child would say. Morgan, in June of 1995, was finishing up her kindergarten year in Ozark, Arkansas. Her parents' divorce had been fairly amicable by all accounts, and there was no custody dispute or battle or anything negative happening involving the children. Morgan had two younger siblings, and she enjoyed being the big sister. On June 9th, 1995, Colleen was invited by some of her friends to attend their child's Little League game in Alma, Arkansas. Alma was about 30 miles from Ozark, where the Nick family lived, but Colleen saw this as an opportunity for her to get out and have a little mother-daughter time with Morgan. The two younger kids were left with their grandparents, and Colleen and Morgan headed off to Alma. Now, Ozark to... Alma, Arkansas, is about a half-hour drive, straight down Route 40. And I know many of our listeners are from other parts of the country and the world, so to give a quick description, Arkansas is near the center of the United States. And both Ozark and Alma are on the border of the Ozark National Forest. 
That area, often called the Ozarks, is a popular tourist destination for visitors in the Arkansas and Missouri areas. Alma, Arkansas is located just west of Ozark, Arkansas, and both of them sit on or near the Arkansas River. Now, that Little League game that night was a late night game. It started at 9 o'clock p.m., which I do think is a little odd and a little bit late for a Little League game to start. But it was summer, and June 9th was a Friday. At the game, Colleen sat with her friends and Morgan, and Morgan was very shy, stayed by Colleen's side all the time. Everyone who knew Morgan had always commented that she was so shy and such a quiet little girl, especially around people she didn't know. During the game, Morgan became a little bit restless, and she began playing a game with her mother, untying her shoes and giggling when her mother had to retie them. This went on for a little while until two other children came over to ask Morgan if she wanted to play with them. These two kids were a bit older. One was eight and one was 10, and they are identified as Jess and Ty, one boy and one girl. Now, some reports say that these were acquaintances or friends of Morgan's and somehow knew her, but I'm not sure how. I'm not sure if they were related to the friends that they were there visiting or what their connection was, but they weren't complete strangers to Morgan. So Morgan asked her mom if she could go play, but her mother said no. She didn't know the area. She had never been to that park before, and she didn't want Morgan running off. Morgan was only six years old, and the field and park area were pretty crowded that night, with almost 300 people being there. Morgan continued to beg her mom, and Colleen's friends urged her to let Morgan go play, telling Colleen she was just being overprotective and that Morgan would be fine. And eventually, Colleen relented. The kids said they wanted to just run up a nearby hill and catch fireflies. The game was getting close to ending. It was already about 10.30 p.m., so Colleen said okay for a few minutes, and the kids took off. Colleen could see the children playing and kept an eye on them as best as she could in between watching the game and, of course, it was getting dark. After about another 10 minutes, the game ended and the children began running back towards the ball field. Colleen looked away for a minute to gather her things and when she looked back, she saw Jess and Ty coming towards her. But she didn't see Morgan and Morgan had just been with them a minute ago. As Jess and Ty got closer to Colleen, she asked them, where's Morgan? And they had thought she was right there with them, or she was following just behind, but she was not. They told Colleen that they had stopped near Colleen's car, leaning against to empty the sand from their shoes. Jess and Ty were leaning against the front of the car, while Morgan leaned up near the back. When Jess and Ty were done, they started running off to the field, thinking that Morgan had either left just before them or was following right behind them. She had done neither. Colleen takes off towards the parking lot, calling for and looking all over for Morgan. She even searched inside of her car in case Morgan had climbed inside for some reason. She couldn't find Morgan anywhere, and panic had set in. Hundreds of people were walking about and leaving the fields, driving away. And Colleen had said that in that moment, she just wanted everything and everyone to stop, to freeze time so she could find her daughter. A man near Colleen had heard her screams and panics and asked what was going on. Colleen said she couldn't find her daughter, so people started helping, and this gentleman called 911. 
Police arrived within six minutes. At first, police believed that Morgan must have just wandered off and got lost. There was really nowhere for a child to go. There were no restrooms there. There was no concession stand. And Morgan wasn't the type to do that anyway. She was just so shy. Colleen knew that Morgan would have come running right back to her if she would have been separated from Jess and Ty. So the police begin searching, but they find nothing. They do collect a bunch of items from the park area, trash, cigarette butts, soda cans, to test for DNA, but they have nothing to compare it to yet. And honestly, most of these items were likely from the 300 people that were at the field that night. The police talk extensively to Jess and Ty, who just talked about catching fireflies with Morgan. Remember, they were just 8- and 10-year-old children themselves. But then they did remember something that they mentioned in passing that stood out to the investigators. They had asked the children if they saw anything or anyone unusual, and they did mention a man standing next to a red pickup truck that they thought was creepy. I don't know if that seed was planted in the kid's mind during the investigation, or if they truly believed at the time that this man was creepy, but they said he was standing next to a red pickup truck watching the ball game, and he would occasionally turn and watch them play. At one point, he said something to the kids, which the kids described as being very hillbilly. Now that tells me something about his accent or the way he spoke, and that it was different to these kids and somehow stood out. Somehow they were able to differentiate as being different from an accent or something that they normally would hear in Arkansas. And I'm not 100% sure on the accent or dialect that might be considered normal to the children in Arkansas, but something must have been a little different or at least accentuated about the way he spoke. The kids also told police that this man had on denim cut-off shorts, no shirt, he had a hairy chest, and no shoes. He had salt and pepper gray hair, a light mustache and beard, and was listed as 25 to 38 years old, although no one is quite sure how accurate that is for an age range. And if you think back to being eight years old, you really have no concept of people's ages. I mean, as a kid, I'm pretty sure I thought all my teachers were super old when they were probably just in their 30s and 40s. To my knowledge, no one else has come forward to say that they could identify this man or they saw him or offer any additional clues. And I can't imagine how he wouldn't have stuck out a little bit more at a children's little league game. Police do hone in on this tip, the only one that they really have, or their best tip that they have. And they start asking around for information on this red truck and this unidentified man. They do find some people who thought they might remember the truck and they thought it was possibly a Ford with a white cap or camper attachment to the bed of the truck. Colleen is taken down to the station where she contacts John and lets him know that Morgan is missing. John comes to Alma and the police continue to speak to both of them. The police do eventually state that they have ruled out both parents as being suspects or being involved somehow in their daughter's disappearance. The police start to receive so many calls regarding the case that they turn a courtroom into a temporary call center. 
Morgan's parents, Colleen and John, would stay at the volunteer fire department for a while during the investigation also. And as they begin to investigate, the police do learn some other unsettling things. Earlier on that same day that Morgan disappeared, June 9th, there was an attempted kidnapping of a four-year-old girl in Alma. The girl screamed and was able to get away, and the man, the suspect, was described as driving a red pickup truck. The next day, June 10th, just 12 miles away in Fort Smith, Arkansas, a nine-year-old girl possibly had an encounter with the same man. The man had attempted to get the girl to go into the men's restroom with him, and she refused. She was able to scream and run away. The girl said he resembled the sketch that now existed of Morgan's possible captor. In late June of 1995, a couple weeks after Morgan vanished, the police received a tip from Stuttgart, Arkansas. And if Stuttgart, Arkansas sounds familiar, it's the hometown of Cassie Compton, a missing girl whose story we told last month. Albert Harvey was working in his yard when he caught a man trying to break into his pickup truck. He successfully chased this man away, and he said the man was pulling a young girl with him, pulling her by the arm, a girl that he recognized as Morgan Mick. A massive search took place in Stuttgart immediately. Colleen and John Nick were flown from Alma to Stuttgart by private plane, and it's important to note the conditions that night were terrible. But the search parties went out in droves anyway. There was volunteers, there was law enforcement, there was FBI, the state police. And the heat was almost unbearable, as were the mosquitoes. It was said that the mosquitoes were a serious problem during that time frame in that area. But all these people went out there anyway and searched. They even used search dogs and helicopters. Harvey was given two polygraphs during this time of which he failed both. He finally admitted that it was not true. He actually said that someone did try and break into his truck, but that person did not have a child with him. He did apologize to law enforcement and the search teams, recognizing the terrible conditions that they had to go out there and search in. But police told them, even worse than that, was the torture and hell that he put the Nick family through. Albert Harvey was arrested. Now, the Morgan-Nick case never technically grows cold, but it does slow down. In 1996, Colleen Nick formed the Morgan-Nick Foundation. It was a way to help other families of missing children. They offer support, they help make flyers, they provide families with resources and help that she had learned through her search for Morgan. Arkansas would also rename their Amber Alert system to the Morgan Nick Alert. In January of 2000, police received a tip that Morgan was buried on a property in Boonville, Arkansas. Boonville is about an hour south of Alma, and they must have believed this tip to be credible because the state police and the FBI commenced in Boonville and began to dig. One agent describes the dig as being super tedious as they would dig an inch of dirt and then they would have forensic teams go through it. 
then they would do another inch, and so on and so on. But nothing would be found. On November 15th, 2010, a confidential informant told police that he believed Morgan Nick was buried at the home of a convicted child molester in Spiro, Oklahoma. This person was currently incarcerated, so the place was vacant. It was a mobile home located in a rural area. Spiro, Oklahoma is actually near the border of Arkansas. They received a warrant to search the home, which they did, looking for any sign that Morgan had been there. But again, they didn't find anything. In 2017, they went back to this home with another warrant to search the outdoor areas and perform a dig in the surrounding land of the home. And after another slow and meticulous search of the property, still nothing was found. In 2012, police discovered two people using Morgan's identification and social security number. They were able to track them down and arrest them, and they were identified as Tanya Smith and James Monhart. Police would investigate, wondering if they had anything to do with Morgan's disappearance. But police believed they were not involved in her abduction in any way, but rather two felons using stolen identities. Another interesting development would come when an investigative journalist did some digging into John Nick and found some scary connections. Now, just to remind everyone, John Nick was ruled out as a suspect, and being Morgan's father, I'm not trying to place any unnecessary trauma on the family, but this investigator did find some very troubling information, information that can be corroborated with court documents. In the early 1990s, and possibly continuing indefinitely, John Nick was a low-level drug dealer, mostly marijuana. In 2006, a man by the name of Clifford Joe Pullen was arrested. In the court documents, it stated that they discovered the activities of Clifford Joe Pullen after the drug task force was monitoring drug activity around John Nick. So it seems Morgan's dad was being watched by this task force, which led them to Clifford Pullen, who was discovered to be the supplier to John Nick. There is actually some very specific information that you can read up on detailing how a confidential informant was given $2,000 to go purchase drugs from John Nick and you can find all that information online if you do want more info on it. And I will also link that in the notes as well. But most importantly, that incident led to some other important discoveries that the public wasn't all quite aware of. John Nick had quite a rap sheet. July 1987, battery in the third degree. July 1987, legacy system criminal violation. July 1987, criminal mischief in the second degree. January 2006, possession of a controlled counterfeit substance, third offense, class C felony. January 2006, drugs and firearms, simultaneous possession. January 2006, possess, use, deliver, and advertise drug paraphernalia. January 2006, endangering the welfare of a minor, second degree. 
The charge of endangering the welfare of a minor in the second degree was not prosecuted in the proceedings, possibly as part of a plea deal. Pullen was known to visit John's house often, both prior to Morgan's disappearance and after. And people would describe his visit as very casual and as a lot of times in the cases of drug deals or suppliers, they don't knock and they would just walk right in. So this Clifford Pullen would show up to the Nick's home and just walk in. He was comfortable enough and casual enough. There was no knocking, ringing the bell. He would just walk right in. And because of his close relationship with John, it is believed that Pullen knew Morgan also. In July of 1995, just one month after Morgan went missing, Clifford Pullen was arrested and charged with violation of a minor in the first degree. He was found guilty. He would go on to be in and out of prison his whole life, his last charge coming to him when he was 80 years old. He was then sentenced to 30 years, meaning he would obviously live out his life in prison. And indeed he did. He died in 2016 at age 88. Does this story mean to implicate John Nick as a suspect in his own daughter's disappearance? I don't believe so, but I believe it does point out that he was around some shady characters and possibly exposed his children to danger. Pullen would have also been in his 60s in 1995, and the person of interest the police have identified was said to be 25 to 38 years old. So he doesn't necessarily fit that profile. And police have never really addressed this new information that came out. So is it just a meaningless connection? It might be. But the parts that stand out to me. Clifford was convicted of a crime against a child just one month after Morgan disappeared. Clifford has a track record, a documented court record, that includes crimes of a sexual nature against children. And also, Clifford had a connection to the Nick family. And I've also wondered in all of this, while the police believe that Morgan did not know her captor and it was probably a crime of opportunity or a professional kidnapper, I wonder if Morgan did indeed know her abductor. There weren't any reports of anyone hearing any screams from Morgan that night. And if a stranger had called Morgan over to them or over to their truck, everyone who knows Morgan said she would never have went. She would have ran straight to Colleen because she was just so super shy. Even Morgan's kindergarten teacher said that Morgan wouldn't talk to anyone else within the school, just was glued to her side at all times. So if Morgan somehow was lured away and didn't scream, does that mean she might have known who it was? In the attempted abductions reported that same week in that area, both girls allegedly got away by screaming. So with Morgan being so shy with strangers, how was she taken so quietly if she did not know this person? So this brings us to... 2021. The police have talked to and identified everyone that was at the ball field that night, except the man with the red truck. 
And this year, they finally have either obtained or for the first time decided to release a photograph of that red truck. The photograph is grainy, but you can tell it's an older red pickup truck. On the back sits a white cap or a camper top that doesn't quite fit right. And you can tell that from the photo. It looks like it's about six inches short of being the correct length for the truck bed. The police are hoping that someone recognizes the truck and possibly knows something about it. Maybe they knew someone who owned that truck. Maybe it was a friend, a neighbor, a relative. Any information about that truck at all is what police are hoping for. And they have investigated that truck hard. It said that they pulled records for the entire state of Arkansas for red Ford pickup trucks and visited the home of everyone who owned a red Ford pickup truck. This year, police have also identified Billy Links as a person of interest and are asking people who knew Links to come forward to talk to them. Investigators said Links attempted to abduct a young girl in Van Buren just eight miles from the parking lot of the baseball field where Morgan was taken. Court records show that Lynx was convicted of felony sexual indecency with a child in March of 1996 and had pleaded guilty to charges of felony first-degree child abuse in 1993 and was convicted of related sex crimes also. He died in prison in 2000. So from the police investigation... As far as suspects, there was a lead in Boonville, Arkansas. We don't know a whole lot of details about that lead, but they did dig up a property and they did find nothing. There was another lead that led them to Spiro, Oklahoma. Again, they searched the property and the mobile home on the property in 2010 and 2017 and again found nothing. And now the police have released a new lead by the name of Billy Lynx. And now we have an investigative journalist pointing out the possibility of involvement or a possible person of interest, maybe, by a Clifford Pullen. So let's talk theories, although I think it can be generalized in really just two main ways. Theory number one, abducted by a stranger. If the reports of a nearby abduction attempts of little girls are true, was there a kidnapper working the area? Seems like a very likely possibility considering those other attempts and the description of the truck and the suspect. And then what better place to go look for a child but a park with 300 people and it was dark out. I still think they had to be pretty brazen to attempt to abduct someone in such a crowded area. But it was 10.45 p.m. at night, and aside from it being dark, everyone was really preoccupied with the ball game, with their families, with their children. And it was probably really noisy. It's just a shame that if that's what did happen, that no one saw anything or was even able to stop it. So was this person a professional? Was the truck camper top? the one that didn't fit right, was it there to provide cover to hide a child? 
which then makes me wonder if there was more than one person involved. This would allow one person to grab the child, put her in the back of the truck where another person could keep them quiet. Theory number two, was she abducted by someone she knew? This would explain Morgan possibly going up to the person willingly and not screaming. Maybe this person knew that Morgan and her mom would be there that night. Perhaps the whole thing was arranged and set up from the beginning. The police do believe that it was likely a stranger abduction, which statistically is very, very rare, accounting for less than 1% of child abductions. The children that were with Morgan that evening playing and catching fireflies have spoken out recently about how that night still haunts them. They were just 8 and 10 years old, and being thrust into an investigation like that and knowing your friend had possibly been kidnapped had to be so traumatizing. Colleen continues to help investigators search for her daughter and works relentlessly with her foundation, the Morgan Nick Foundation. You can find more information on their work and mission at morgannickfoundation.org. Also, keep in mind that new documentary is scheduled to come out this winter and hopefully can thrust Morgan's case back into the spotlight and possibly bring some clues and answers and closure for the family. In the meantime, we will continue to share her story and the photo of the red truck in hopes that someone, somewhere, knows something. What do you think happened to little Morgan Nick? Morgan vanished on June 9th, 1995 from the Wooford ball field at 10.45 p.m. She had been playing with two other children catching fireflies. On that date, Morgan was described as being six years old, about four feet tall, and weighing around 55 pounds. She had blonde hair, blue eyes, and was known to be very shy and quiet. If you have any information on the Morgan Nick case or any information on the red truck, please contact the Arkansas State Police at 501-783-5195. Thank you so much for tuning in to Morgan's story. Please share her case, her photo, and the photo of the red truck any way you can. We will be posting all of that info on our social media. Feel free to grab it and share it from there. Unless there are any major updates or developments, this is our last episode of 2021 as we work to ramp up for 2022. You can reach out to us anytime still via email or social media, and we will continue to post our bonus episodes over on Patreon through the end of the month. A reminder, too, that our merch store will be undergoing some updates and changes, so if there's anything you want to grab, get it now before it's gone. You can use the code MISSING for 10% off. Thank you again for your support this year and for helping us bring awareness to these unsolved missing person cases. We will be back with you in 2022, and until then, stay safe, have a happy holiday season, and New Year's, and hug your loved ones.